Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,655. Today we're having a little fun play-by-play with the NHRA. Buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, I'm revved up and very excited to be talking with a pro today. I'm hoping he can teach me some things about being a broadcaster and speaking live on air. He's calling from Massachusetts where the, I hear it's a little warm. The leaves are changing, though, by the name of Brian Loans. Brian, welcome to Cars. Yeah, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Mark, I am ready. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. We will have some fun. Well, listen, before I give you a proper introduction that uh, outlined your professional career. I want you to share something with us that most people don't know about you. Maybe something that's a little interesting. Uh, I love antique farm tractors as much as I love drag racing. <laughs> no, well, that's going from one extreme to the other, pal. That is, yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing. Now, you know, tractors, my dad grew up on a farm in Texas, but I never lived there. He left Texas, came out west, so I grew up on a surfboard, basically. But I do love, since I'm a Porsche guy, those Porsche tractors. Have you ever seen one of those? I have. There's a, there's a great uh, museum in Virginia called the Keystone Truck and Tractor Museum, and they have a Lamborghini tractor in there. They have a Porsche, um, and they have they have everything else. But yeah, the, the little European tractors are really cool, but I like the big old hairy American stuff. Absolutely. When I was a kid, we'd go visit my grandfather in the northern part of Texas. He had a farm. He had cattle, and he raised wheat and soybeans. And I'd ride in those tractors and get on those big combine things that just looked like if you ever stood in front of one, it would eat you alive and spit you out the side. It was like going to an alien planet for me, but it was certainly fun. And as a little kid, getting to drive his truck out in the field and bounce around, yeah, you felt like uh, you felt like you're in another world coming from the coast. So tractors, very interesting. Do you have an old tractor? I have had a few over the years. I do not have one now. I grew up, uh, my dad had a 1952 8N Ford that had a little front end loader on it that uh, used it to plow snow and stuff. And I loved it since I was a kid and he still has the thing today. So it's, uh, that was, that was what set the hook. And once I started getting books and stuff when I was a kid, it was like, I was obsessed with like guys like Don Garlitz and I was obsessed with like uh, 8N Fords. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very interesting. If if I could buy you, well, maybe I'll save this question to the end. I'm going to add this to my last question about buying you any vehicle you'd like, and we're going to put the word tractor in there. So keep that in mind. I'm going to buy you a very cool vintage fun tractor today. So, okay. But we'll, we'll keep that secret till we get to the end. Let me give you a proper introduction, Brian, and we're going to dive into your life. Brian Loans is the lead play-by-play announcer for the NHRA on Fox Television's broadcast that air on FS1 and the Fox Broadcast Network. He's a very active racing announcer outside of TV, calling drag races in multiple disciplines of the sports from coast to coast between the NHRA events. He has written for a dozen or so magazines and hosted a variety of events and television shows. Brian, also the co co-founder of bangshift.com. Can't wait to learn more about that. A very large enthusiast blog site that will celebrate its 12th anniversary in November. Congratulations. That's awesome. 12 years. And by the way, he's also a podcaster. He has a podcast titled dork Motive. Not sure that's why he uh, might want to be on this show today, but we'll see what, what dorks have to do with podcasting and so forth. And after years in the trucking business, Brian 
took off on a different road back in 2011 and has been making a living in the automotive journalism space and racing ever since. He's never looked in the rearview mirror. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Brian, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. Give them a little love. They're the reason we're here today. We'll be right back. Don't let that tractor knock you off the seat. The best way to protect your vehicles is with a Covercraft custom fit car cover. I know because I've been using their covers on my vehicles since 1975. Plus, they offer a multitude of options depending on your situation. Indoor covers include form fit, dust stop, the oh-so-soft fleece satin, and their very unique view shield, a cover that protects while allowing you to see your favorite vehicle while the cover's on your car. Amazing. Need a cover that will protect your ride outside? Their incredible options allow you to choose from Weather Shield, Sumbrella, Weather Shield HD, Block It, Reflect, Carhartt, Evolution, Nova, and Weather Shield HP. So many options. Whether you're looking for rain protection, UV shielding from the sun's damaging rays, breathability, dust protection, snow protection, even ding protection and protection from those paint-destroying bird droppings. They've got you covered. Their soft-touch covers are safe for your paint, and the custom fit keeps them from blowing off. If you live in a windy area, get the Covercraft Gust Guards. They're a must-have if your car sits outside in windy conditions. Worried about theft? They have cable locks, too, with built-in grommets that keep your cover safely on your vehicle. Their website makes ordering fast and easy, and their talented customer service department will walk you through any ordering questions. They can customize a cover for almost any vehicle on the planet. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code yeah 120 at covercraft.com you'll get 10 percent off your covercraft order that's right so go to covercraft.com use the code yeah y-e-a-h 120 at checkout and get 10 percent off on me mark here at cars yeah covercraft they've got you covered american collectors insurance that's who now protects my porsche turbo yeah the one i call my orange crush when it came time to renew my policy my carrier jacked my rates up even though i'd been with them for years i'd never made a claim no tickets nothing what's with that adios so i started shopping around and kept hearing about american collectors insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts friends and folks in the car industry I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Brian, we are back, and uh, I would love for you to uh, start this journey where we talk a little bit about a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. I'd like to say it's a nice way to get the wheels smoking. Now, we're on a tractor today, so maybe just turning (laughs) is going to be the answer here. So, Brian, uh, grab the tiller. (laughs) 
Yeah, we always, uh, you know, one of the things we joked about, um, about Bankshift kind of becoming successful and, and becoming a viable business was that um, we were kind of too dumb to quit. We were too dumb to give up <laughs> or too dumb to believe that that it wouldn't succeed. And I feel like for anybody that has some sort of a, you know, uh, maybe non-conventional dream that they want to chase, whether it's uh, in business or in their career, I think that's a super impo- uh, important element because you really... I think a lot of times you, you don't have people that you're looking at around you that understand what you're trying to do or have the same vision. So you have to push past that occasionally and just understand, like, and believe maybe beyond belief that you can actually succeed at something. So being being too dumb to give up is a is a very <laughs> valuable uh, asset. You know, I've heard that from a few of my guests here, and sometimes I feel like that relates to me a little bit. Six and a half years into 1,655 interviews on a podcast that I started when I was at home caring for my wife when she was ill, and I thought, oh, I'll do this for a year until she's better, and then I'll go do something else. And Here we sit having fun, but I have a feeling you're having some fun with this. And I want to talk a little bit more about two of the things that you do. And we'll also talk about your play by plays because I find that fascinating as well. But you started with Bang Shift. So explain to the listeners who don't know about you. You've got a really heavy following and I commend you 12 years. Yeah. Talk about stick to and grit and perseverance. <laughs> yeah, that's like a farmer plowing a big, long field. You just keep going and looking to the end. So tell us a little bit about Bankshift. Uh, so Bankshift um, began in 2008. Um, it began out of the ruins of another website called Car Junkie TV that was started by some friends of mine. And they had some venture capital money that uh, went away when the economy went south in 08. And so we started Bankshift really with kind of nothing. We started with a, a little nucleus of a message board, maybe like 2,500 members, and we had a, a, a blog on the front of it. And so the, the little engine, the little embers of, of a readership we had came out of that um, small group that was in the message board. And then we, you know, we went off and just began creating content. And myself personally, I'm coming up on 20,000 stories that I've, that I've written for the website. I still write, write still write uh, every single day. I wake up in the morning and I, I produce six to eight pieces of content, basically six to seven days a week. And I have for, you know, 12 years now. And um, it is uh, it is an all encompassing, you know, type of website. We are definitely heavy on American muscle. We're definitely heavy on drag racing coverage. Um, that's kind of where my heart lies, where co-founder Chad uh, Reynolds heart lies. And um, we do all different kinds of things, man. We live stream races. Uh, we cover a lot of different motorsports stuff. We review new cars. We, it really is a soup to nuts kind of gearhead website. And I think a lot of that comes from my own, you know, personal interests, which really run the gamut. I mean, I love everything from steam trains to tractors to top fuel, uh, race cars to, you know, the, the very modern kind of uh, equipment we see on the street today. So, you know, Bankshift is a. It has been an interesting thing because we've, you know, we've ridden the different waves of the internet. We've ridden the different waves of the economy and the in, in the business environment over the last twelve years, and currently riding one now, like everybody else is. But it's it's cool. There are days that I wish the internet would fold up and just go off into a black <laughs> hole and not exist anymore. And there are other days that I'm very thankful for it. Um, thankfully, the, I'm more thankful for those days than I am the ones that I'm I'm annoyed with. But on any given day, you flip it open, you'll see fourteen stories on the front page, and none of them are the same. You know, you're going to look, you're going to see stuff from all over the world of motorsports and all over the world of just kind of automobilia. Stick to itiveness. I said that word before. And so I, let's see, you've been at this for twice as long as me. So in 12 years, I'm, I'm going to be interviewing my 20,000th 
person. I, I don't think so. I, you know, I thought I was crazy when I decided to do five a week and everybody else thought I was as well. But, you know, this is a, a big part of entrepreneurship and people like you and people like me and so many guests I've had on the show that have a dream. They like what they're doing. They enjoy it. Let's talk a little bit about your other career because you've got like a whole bunch of things going on here. You also like to do uh, play-by-plays, NHRA, drag racing. You've got a great voice for it. You obviously know what you're talking about. So did that come before Bang Shift or did Bang Shift come before that? Yeah, so drag racing, um, you know, I've I've loved drag racing since I was a kid. I, I grew up uh, in the 80s. I was born in 1980, so I was, I'm definitely a child of the 80s and into the early 90s. And my dad was a hot rodder and drag racing fan, so we, you know, we would always watch what was then the Nashville Network was where NHRA drag racing aired back then. And, you know, I just fell in love with the sport. Now, I didn't know as a kid I wanted to be a, a broadcaster or be a play-by-play guy. I knew that the announcers like Brock Yates and Steve Evans and Paul Page were people that I loved listening to and I loved watching. But I wasn't necessarily nine years old looking at the TV going, I'm going to do that job someday. As luck would have it, when I was in college, we had a motorsports club and I started to announce some SCCA road races which I was very foreign to, uh, but I picked it up and it gave me the confidence to call a drag strip. And I started as a drag strip announcer at Lebanon Valley Dragway in New York. And then I started working at New England Dragway in Epping, New Hampshire. And I was about 20 years old at the time. And then I started working at bull tracks at the same time. And then I was doing road races in between. And it all really started there. And, and honestly, I, I'm, you know, knock on wood, kind of one of the last of the one of the last of the Mohicans to speak of that has kind of taken the old school traditional route of working at really small racetracks and kind of creeping my way up the ladder to ultimately in the job that I have today, which is the the, the lead kind of play-by-play guy for Fox Sports for NHRA. It's been cool. I mean, I, I knew once I started announcing races, I knew that I really liked it. And then, you know, just really fell in love with it. And the career path, thankfully, kind of took care of itself. But it's been uh, it's been a trip. It's cool. Now, the the 800 million pound gorilla in the room this year is COVID, of course, and how Absolutely. that's affected. It's affected everybody in many ways. First and foremost, everybody in your family healthy and okay? Yes. Yeah. Thankful. Uh, definitely thankful for that. 100%. Yes. Well, good. How have you worked around the challenges, especially as COVID has affected racing? Now, for a while, we were doing none of it. So hard to announce nothing that's going on exactly but things have changed now and racing is coming back and so there's some activity happening with that there so how did you work around this with your career this year so what's been interesting is uh drag racing is a lot in in many respects like dirts dirts uh, track stock car racing or sprint car racing in that a lot of it happens at small venues and in faraway places so i was obviously the nhra series was sidelined uh circa mid-march about May, I started venturing out here and there. I did I did some independent races um, and some races in Georgia, some races in the Carolinas, uh, some stuff in Michigan. And all this stuff was basically spectator free. It was done uh, mostly for pay-per-view audiences. And then the NHRA series kind of fired back up in July. But between March and July is really how the Dorkamoto podcast is something I've been wanting to do for years. And finally, I started that. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a series of um, I did a series of things called Loans Calls Life for various organizations where like the NMCA, the National Muscle Car Association, would send me a video of like somebody mowing their lawn. And I would call <laughs> it I would call it like I was like it was the seventh game of the World Series or it was the final <laughs> round of the U.S. Nationals. So those are the type of things, I guess, that I did to keep sane. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love the way that people have been so innovative this year and pivoted in so many ways. I've had so many guests on that this uh, virus affected negatively, but they found ways around it 
You found ways to help people. They have found ways to create new things. It created time for a lot of people to be home and not having to commute into work. And so they said, what can I do? And most of us don't love just sitting around doing nothing. And you can only clean your closets about five times and say, okay, I'm kind of done with this. The garage is done. What next? So I think it's pretty cool. Let's migrate here to Dork Omotive, a podcast. I've got to start with the name. What on earth is going on with this? The name is so the the podcast actually derived comes from my Instagram page. So my Instagram is just my name if you want to follow me on Instagram, but my Instagram has nothing to do with me. I don't post any photos of my life. I don't post any photos of my face. Very rarely I'll post something and say, hey, watch the NHRA race this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but I do um, automotive and mechanical history on my Instagram page. And I do it, it with a pretty good degree of depth for social media. So like when you see one of my Instagram posts, it'll be like three or 400 words. So you're getting a photo of Whoa. something you've probably never heard of. And then you're getting um, a lot of background and detail with it. So trying to like give some value to the platform or give some value to the content. and you know, I got a pretty good following on Instagram and, and people would say, man, you should do a podcast or you should do You should really like expound on this. And I, I had the time to finally do it. And, um, uh, I threw myself into it and I made, I've made a 18 or 17 or 18 episodes so far yeah. because any trays picked up. I've, I'm on a hiatus, I guess, from producing them, but I have a, a list of things to make. Right. And these are everything from a very detailed look at evil could evils failed 1974 snake river Canyon jump stuff. Like there's a, um, an episode called the funny car driver uh, or the mafia killer who loved funny cars, which is the story of this guy named Broadway, Freddie to name uh, who was a part of Roy DeMeo's crew that killed upwards of 200 people in New York. And he was a funny car racer and oh people, the mo- it's, and it's, it, it, it really does span the globe. I did a, I did a two hour episode on Art Arfons where I had Humpy Wheeler on and, and, um, and really went into his whole life. So if you like, uh, maybe the slightly offbeat or you like kind of the the deep dive into, you know, racing, mechanical, automotive history, um, you'll dig it. I think uh, I'm, I'm really it was kind of a passion project and I'm really, really happy with how people responded to it. Very cool. Well, I'm appreciative of uh, you being so creative. I mean, this is really fun. And when uh, Elena Scher, who's a past guest on the show, recommended that I reach out to you, she said, you know, he does this podcast, Dorkomotive podcast. And I said, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and of course, <laughs> listen and thought, okay, this is really not like the, I guess you could call it a dork because kind of a nerdy thing. I mean, if you get into the details, yeah. but it, it was so different than what I expected. So uh, welcome to the podcasting world. It's quite fun. Thanks. And the great thing is you can do anything. I take a daily walk with my neighbor's dog and I listen to all sorts of podcasts. And today I was listening to uh, a podcast about the ancient Greeks and their philosophies and different people that, and you just, they're fascinating. I, since I walk my neighbor's dog, his name's Warden, I called him Talks with <laughs> Warden. And I'll tell Warden what the person's saying. And this dog looks at me and goes, uh, whatever, whatever. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're kind of fun. Well, I always like to ask my guests about a big challenge they faced in their life, maybe even a big failure. And this is more about overcoming that particular situation, but there's lots of people that face things. This year is certainly full of challenges, that's for sure. So kind of take us on a journey, a time in your life. And more importantly, how did you come out of that specific situation in a positive way? So take us on a little tractor ride today, okay? Yeah, I think for me, I would go back to... 
um, right around maybe 2005, I think it was somewhere in that in that neighborhood. I was working uh, for a company managing people in, in trucks and doing all this motorsports stuff on the side and um, really at that point wanted to get on the road with it and not really be going to the office anymore. And I was doing a lot of freelance work for a guy who said, hey, you should come work for me full time. And you kind of sit down, you run the numbers and you go, wow, this actually might work. It's not going to be pretty for a little while, but we, this might actually work. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And about six months later, I was really happy when my boss, previous boss, called me back because I, the other guy had stopped paying me. Oh, it was ouch. a jacked disaster. Yeah. And it was um, super disheartening because it was like, okay, this guy that I thought was so a trustworthy person, obviously, I went to work for has totally broken every sort of covenant you would have expected to have with a guy like that. And then, two, you're like, maybe this is my shot and maybe it just went away. Yeah. And so – you know, I went back to work and cause obviously, you know, you got to make a living and pay the bills and, and that's, you know, how life works. And, um, yeah, that was like that, that set me back a little bit and it didn't necessarily set back my, my want to do it, but it certainly set me back and made me think about who I wanted to work for and work with and what questions I needed to be asking. It, it was like, it was the great lesson of somebody saw in me how bad I wanted to do it and they understood that they could get away with it for at least a little while. And yeah. so it was that, you know, to me it was always from that point forward, like really trying to temper your emotions when you're offered something or temper your emotions when a potential opportunity comes up. And I had a couple of things come my way that was like that I didn't do. And I was regretful that I didn't do them at the time. And it turns out if I had taken those opportunities, they would have, you know, uh, this, the ship was already sinking. They were, you were getting, you were getting, being invited into the ship that had already struck an iceberg, oh, you know? Yeah. And so um, ultimately in the end, everything, everything has worked out in the positive way, but that was a big one for me. And it was, you know, just the big lesson of you gotta, you gotta get your, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed on everything before you commit to somebody. Yeah. You know, this is a very a common story. It's happened to me as well. And let me ask you this so that somebody out there that might be about to step into a wet floor, not realize that the, the boat hit the iceberg. What are some of the things early on that were happening that if you look back now and say, I should have seen that, I should have been aware. I mean, we want these things to work so badly that sometimes we just put the blinders tighter and tighter and tighter. And we just ignore, ignore, ignore. But you go home at night, you feel sick to your stomach, you realize something's not right here, but you want it to work and you don't face the facts. I had somebody tell me one time, it's one thing to know there's something wrong. It's quite a different thing to actually do something about it. And so many of us don't do anything about it. We just keep going when the wheels are falling off the tractor. Well, it's the fear of it's the fear of um, acknowledging that mm. it's the, you know in, in the moment it's the maybe the fear or the uh, lack of, the shame of acknowledging oh man this guy actually this guy actually got me you know like this guy led me astray and I thought I was smarter than that and you are smarter than that but you've been blinded by you're wanting to do something so bad that you just drive past these stop signs that otherwise, if you just slow down a second, you know, it's, it is, um, I think it's, it's hard because you, you want to be the type of person that doesn't like question everybody that doesn't question people's motives that doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to, you want to be told, Hey, you're awesome. I want to hire you because you're great. And I think you're the best and, and we can do all this great stuff together. And it feels good when somebody tells you that. And it feels good when somebody looks at you like that and it kind of validates the way you feel about yourself. But, I never took the time to sit back and go, but can you actually do that? You know, yeah. yeah, you want to, and I want to, but can you actually do that and and show me how? And 
so yeah, I guess that's the biggest thing is um, before you step on the wet floor, before you you know make sure there's no cracks in the hull. And, and and those are hard questions to ask because you know ultimately that person that's going to hire you or or the person that's thinking about hiring you is the person that has the leverage in that situation. So you don't want to put them off by by being uh, questioning them, but ultimately it's going to be better for everybody involved if you just take the time to look someone in the eye and ask the harder questions, yep. get straight answers, and then go from there. I always say, if it doesn't smell right, if it doesn't look right, if it doesn't taste right, it's not right. Yeah. And you need yeah. to ask those questions for sure. I worked at a company for years where I hired a lot of people. And I was always shocked at the end of many interviews. I interviewed hundreds of people, hired hundreds of people. The question, the important questions nobody ever asked because they wanted to be there so bad, they didn't want to hear the wrong answer. A simple one would be, how are the finances of this business? Right. Are you profitable? Right. Okay, that's pretty... <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we don't like talking about that. <laughs> you know? That's none of your business. Well, actually, if I'm depending on you for an income, it sure is. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is. So, yeah, I always say, well, lesson learned here. Absolutely. And obviously, you came out on the right end. But yeah, listeners out there, if you're in that one of these situations where you just, you leave every day and it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Ask better questions. Definitely. Well, we're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors again. And we come back, I want to dive into this personal passion you talk about having for hot rods and racing and drag racing cars and tractors. So we'll be right back. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're a racer and the racers group team owner, Kevin Buckler, you found Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, all wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today, I'm going to talk about the 24. This wine earned 91 plus points from Robert Parker's Wine Advocate. It's a dark, spicy, and velvety blend with ripe blue and black fruits and very smooth tannins. The label features a three-dimensional full metal chronograph in a bright gold finish that pays homage to the Daytona Rolex winners received at Le Mans. The Racing Series is a fantastic gift for the ultimate enthusiast in your life. And I've got a deal for you today. If you use the code CARS, yeah, all one word, all in caps, when you're at the adoberoadwinery.com checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARS, yeah, checkout to get $10 off your purchase of the racing series today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to Adobe Road Wines today and use the code CARSYA at checkout. Cheers! My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. 
That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org. Okay, we are back, Brian. I want to ask you this. What is a story, that pivotal moment that you can share with us when you were maybe a kid or later in life when you realized you were a bit of a car guy? I knew I loved cars for as long as I can remember being alive. I know I love cars. I had a, a big wheels, I mean, a Bigfoot uh, power wheels as a kid that was like the greatest thing ever. I love monster trucks. It was just, that was what I had for toys. I, you know, according to my parents, you know, learned to read with National Dragster magazine and stuff like that. <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been, uh, it's been since the, since the earliest days. And I think the coolest thing for me is just like over the years, not pigeonholing, pigeonholing myself in one thing. There are so many people who, you know, you love Camaros or you love Chevelles or you love Fords or you love one particular style of racing. I, I really, truly can tell you that there's not a whole lot I don't love. I do not like 58 to 60 T-Birds. You can take those. I like 57. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty precise. And that's about it, though, in DeLoreans. I'm actually not a huge fan of DeLoreans. Okay. So if we can take the DeLoreans and the, that era of T-Birds and park them next to the Titanic, it would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them in the hull of the Titanic. They can go down with the ship. What was your first really special vehicle in your life, the, the first car that had great meaning for you? I would say probably, you know, my first car was, you know, my everything when I was 16. It was the greatest thing in the world. It was an 84 Monte Carlo that I had painted, um, 1968 Ford Acapulco Blue, put a set of Krager SS mags on it and a bunch of useless bolt-on parts that didn't make it any faster whatsoever, but it was cool. And uh, it was a blue car with a brown interior, which is a rare combination because factory the factory color on it was a two-tone brown with a dark brown interior. Oh. So with my with my nice blue exterior paint job, the interior did not exactly did not exactly match, but it was a good car. No, I love that thing and you know everything that came with it. I remember, you know, the first day I dropped the thing in a drive after I got my license and drove away from my parents' house. I could tell you what song was playing on the radio. It was the best thing ever. It was that thing you've always like you're a kid, you're growing up and you're like saving some money and then you get a car and you could buy some wheels and stuff for it. It was great. It was uh, it was really cool. I can hear Springsteen's Born in the USA playing as you pulled away from the curb. 
<laughs> it was Soundgarden, uh, burden in burden in my hand. Soundgarden. Oh, okay. Was like, yeah. Or uh, if you're my era, Leonard Skinner's Freebird. So <laughs> one of those for sure. Well, here's a bit of an introspective question. I'm mean, gonna get into your skull a little bit here, Brian. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested as a vehicle, not what you want to be. This is how you perceive your attributes as a vehicle. What would Brian Lone be, and why? You know what? I'm going to go, I would be a, I'm going to say a 66 or a 67 Chevy Biscayne with L72 427 and a four speed. Because that was the look at it, not quite sure what it is, but underestimated and you're in massive trouble. And so that was, that's, that's the, that is exactly what I would pin myself as. And uh, I don't know, I, I have an affinity for those big, those big tire, like sleeper style boulevard cars. I think they're cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, I guess that fits my build a little bit too, a little bit wider around the waist than it should be. But uh, I, ultimately, I think uh, that would, that's what I would pick. A big block, uh, big block sleeper, bench seat, four-speed uh, Biscayne. There you go. Well, I, I expected something kind of creative from you. You're a very creative person, so <laughs> that sounds nice. I love it. That great vehicle, too. Well, we're entering what I call the last lap or the last run, I guess we could call it, in drag, uh, drag racing. I'm going to fire off some questions, get some quick blips of that Biscayne throttle, that big block from you. We'll uh, get that cam loping around a little bit. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Preparation. Uh, maniacal obsessive preparation <laughs> oh yeah well definitely you know i listen to sports announcers broadcast and from everything from football to racing and i just i'm amazed at what and i realize a lot of these big time they have a lot of stuff flying in front of them they have people helping them they're putting things but you know even calling football on the radio you're like how do they keep track of all these people how do they do that and i've had some uh, uh, pretty heavy announcers here on the show and they say the same thing you've got to be really prepared you got to know exactly what you're talking about and i guess that's why in racing they have a lot of ex-racers calling races because they can talk about things and so forth that a person that's never raced it wouldn't have no clue and of course car people can sniff out an on-car person Pretty yeah, fast. Tony Pedragon, who's my analyst, is a two-time funny car champion, so he can take you like right into the seat of the car, which is, you know, I've never driven, nor do I ever want to drive a funny car. So <laughs> having him there with the, with the firsthand experience, being a multi-time champion, when he speaks, it is authoritative and it is accurate. If I was in the funny car, it would be screaming and I would need a, a fresh fire suit. So it would not be good. I would not bring anything to the table in that role. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let me tell you what it's like to be in a funny car. Ah! <laughs> I'm gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be? Um, Wally Parks, the guy who founded the NHRA. Definitely a, a fascinating man. Somebody who took a outlaw activity that was shunned openly by society and the government and managed to organize it, and then. By manifesting the organization of it, it became not even he didn't even plan for this part, but he never planned on it becoming a professional motorsport. So I would love to catch up with him and sit down and, and just talk to him about how he pulled it off. No doubt. His name's been mentioned here before. Yeah. Amazing individual. Such foresight to take it where he took it. Absolutely. Now, uh, how about when it comes to automotive advice someone else ever offered you? What would that be? Be smarter than the bolts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sometimes those bolts are pretty damn smart. You know? that, uh, that comes from uh, my dad. That's a, that's a Bob Loans-ism. Be ah. smarter than the bolts. He was looking to be struggling at something one time, and he said, just be smarter than the bolts. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Dad. That helped a lot. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like something my dad would have said. Now, when it comes to resources, there's so many for us out there. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? 
You know, I, I tell you, I, I just I think the resource is your library. I mean, uh, I, I love to read. I've always loved to read. It's probably like the, the best gift I ever got was the a love of reading because it's for what I do, you know, speaking and trying to tell stories. I think you, the, the more you can put together in that sense, the better you have it. Um, you, you know, I think in a pragmatic sense, the SEMA website is good for anybody that's in the automotive industry that if you're not like a member of SEMA, I would, I would, I would advocate for that. I think it is very important, especially in today's moment that we're in, that everybody is a member of SEMA. Everybody's doing what they can for the industry. So in terms of my bank shift hat being on for an automotive industry person, definitely uh, SEMA.org. Yeah, absolutely. This would have been my 31st year attending SEMA. Unbelievable. In a row, yeah. Well, it'll be back next year, I have no doubt. Uh, Wade, who runs that organization, uh, has been a guest a couple times on the show. He's in good hands, and uh, yeah, it's a great, great event for sure. You mentioned loving books, so is there a book that you've read recently you'd like to share? Oh, man. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's been a bunch of good ones. I'll tell you, the um, my favorite you know, non-automotive author is a guy named A.J. Liebling, who, um, if you enjoy writing, the only caution I'll give you when you read his books or his work, uh, you'll never want to pen another word because you're like, this guy's so good. I'm just I'm just disparaging the language by doing anything. Yeah. Uh, but I will say there's a book called Faster. It's a story of Rene Dreyfus, who is uh, during right before World War II, Rene Dreyfus was a Formula One racer, a Jewish guy. Um, the Nazis had uh, really kind of uh, spent massive amounts of money in their Mercedes and auto union programs. Rene Dreyfus got hooked up with an American woman. They go to Delahaye, a company that was basically written off from racing, and they develop a Formula One car, and yeah. there is a triumph involved. So I would – great book because it really does encapsulate a, um, an awesome racing story that is also kind of a globally awesome geopolitical story at the same time. So I would recommend that one. You know, Neil Bascom wrote that book. He was a guest on my show a couple months ago, and fascinating book. I mean, just one of those books that involves history – it's one of those things you go, how did they do this? How did they pull this off? And, and you know, to totally piss off Hitler and his teams and what they were doing was awesome. And to go, you know what? We're here. We're going to mess up your world. And, uh, yeah, it's absolutely great. So you can go back, listeners, and listen to my talk with Neil. He's a wonderful guy. He sent me a whole bunch of those books. I've been giving them away as gifts to listeners here and subscribers. Uh, make sure you go to a place on the website on Cars Yak called Guest Recommended Books, where these books recommended by, by Brian – are there? There's over 1,700 books on that page on the Cars yeah website with quick, easy clicks to buy. A whole library full of very, very cool reads, including Neil Bascom's Faster. All right, Brian, here we go. Yes. We talked about this at the beginning. We're up to what I call the checkered flag question. It could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector vehicle today. Now, this could be a collector car, could be a tractor if you want one <laughs> i don't think i've given away any tractors here today but this could be a first but here here are the kickers here it has to be a car that ticks all the boxes it's a car that you can't sell to fund anything with so you got to keep it it's going to be parked in your garage but i don't want any dust collectors no garage queens allowed here on cars yeah so i want it to be something that you take out and enjoy but here's the hard part it's the only one you can have parked in your garage so choose wisely my friend so I'm going to answer this with something that no one uh, has ever told you before or will ever. Okay. I'm excited. I'm going to split the wickets here. So yep. I'm going with a Minneapolis Moline UDLX. Okay. So Minneapolis Moline is a tractor manufacturer. The UDLX was a model they made. And it is effectively the Ferrari 250 GTO of collector tractors. 
because what Minneapolis Moline attempted to do during the middle of the Great Depression was to build a tractor that was also a family car. And this was not a small tractor. If you, if you Google you Google a Minneapolis Moline UDLX, you will see what appears to be a massive overgrown family sedan with huge tractor tires, a bumper, full fenders, and a full cab. And these things would go about 40 miles an hour so you could drive them into town. Uh, they made 150 of them. They made them at the height of the Depression. They were incredibly expensive, and they sold about 40 and took all the rest of them back and stripped all the bodywork off and just sold them as normal tractors. So when these things sell at auction, they sell now for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's my pick. 1938. Yes. Uh, Minneapolis Moline, M-O-L-I-N-E. If you want to Google that, I'll put a link to that on. That thing is cool looking and awesome you. yellows, bright red wheels. Looks like a car on the front. And you're right. No one else has ever asked for this, nor will they ever again. But you know what, Brian? That's what makes you very unique. And I'm so glad that we connected here. That thing's cool looking. I even see, I even found a pedal tractor, a toy. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're iconic in the they're iconic in, in the sense of just kind of what they represent. It was like going to be this great crossover concept, and it just was released at the exact wrong time in history. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that was a tough time, that's for sure. So uh, my dad was born in '32, so he always said he was a depression baby. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, Minneapolis Moline. All right. Well, you taught me something new today, which I'm very excited about. So, Brian. You have taken me on a fun ride today. I knew this would be great. Uh, this has been absolutely spectacular. I love what you're doing. You're having so much fun. I want to thank you for sharing your life with the Cars yeah! audience. Before I let you go, though, could you share one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the field in that Minneapolis Moline? Uh, I would just say if you're, you know, if you're somebody that uh, desires to do something that is unique or something that is seemingly like singular in the in the automotive space or the automotive field, mechanical field, whatever it is, like now is the best time in history to be chasing it. You have so many opportunities in front of you or so many opportunities to express yourself via the podcast, via anything you want to do, the written word, the blog, the blog websites, however, live videos, whatever you want to do. So I would just say, do not be dissuaded, do not be slowed down, do not be dissuaded from doing what you want to do just because of what we're going through at this current moment. You have a load of opportunity in front of you. You know, these opportunities never existed before. And if you told me when I started this venture that six years later, I'd be talking to a guy named Brian Lone, who would pick a Minneapolis Moline UDLX tractor as his favorite ride, I'd go, what are you talking about? Uh, yes, there are so many opportunities. So I always say to people, you know, if you're bored, if you think there's nothing happening, there's no future, you are completely wrong. And this gentleman, Brian Lone, is a great example. He has found ways to take his passion, wrap it into his life. Another inspiring automotive enthusiast here on Cars Yeah that I can be very proud to call my new car tractor buddy friend. So <laughs> like, it's great. How do people follow you? What are all the different ways? Uh, sure. You can follow me on Instagram. It's just my name, Brian, L-O-H-N-E-S, Brian Loans. You can follow me on Twitter at The Loans. I am on Facebook uh, with my own name. And then bankshift.com 
and the Dorkamoto podcast. And if you love drag racing, you should be watching the NHRA on FS1. Absolutely. I'll put links to all these. Again, a big shout out to past Carsia guest Ilana Share for introducing me to Brian. She's a great person. If you missed my talk with her, go back and you can look her up. S-C-H-E-R-R is the spelling of her name on the Carsia website. Brian, thanks for having some fun. Thanks for putting a big tractor smile on my face today. This is pretty cool. I'm going to uh, reach out to some of my Texas relatives and see if they yet they know what I'm talking about. I'm going to put a picture of that up on Facebook tonight and say, how many of you so-called farmers know what this is? We'll see <laughs> We'll see what kind of answer we get. They'll probably go, oh, that crazy cousin out West. Look what he's up to again. Brian, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you either down the road or out in the field. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!